Amen. Have a seat. Mm. Y'all looking forward to heaven? Amen. Man, that was, that was a wonderful, wonderful time of worship, church. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful time of worship. Uh, if you're joining us here today and you're a guest with us, uh, or you're, you're coming back after being gone for some time or whatnot, you might not have been here the past couple of weeks. We've been in this sermon series entitled Spring into Prayer. And over these past few weeks, uh, Pastor Troy and Walter, myself, and then next week, Michael, have been preaching through Matthew chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer, also known as the Disciples' Prayer. And in that, we've been dissecting verse by verse the things that the Lord has called us to do as His followers through this prayer. And so today, we're going to look, as I mentioned a few moments ago, at chapter 6, verses 12, 14, and 15, because 14 and 15 tie in with 12 a little bit. In verse 13, Michael is going to bring to us next week as we conclude the sermon series on prayer. Um, So with that said, if you would, let's stand together and honor the reading of God's Word. And starting in verse uh, chapter 6, verse, um, I'm going to actually start in verse 8 to lead us into it. And it says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, forgive, as we have also forgetten, forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord, and may God add his blessings to it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for the incredible time of worship that we've just had in song to you. Through the choir... Lord, through the the band as we've led these songs. Lord, even to the Scripture reading in the midst of it, Lord, as Debbie brought the passage from Romans 3. Lord, it's no surprise to me just how you're orchestrating all of this today because you know that that Scripture is part of the sermon for today, God. And that just means that somebody needs to hear this message. So, Father, I pray for those that are listening right now, that are here, right here in the midst of this building with me, Lord, for those that are listening online, for those that will potentially listen online, Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts, Lord, that you would cause every bit of distraction to fade away here in this place right now, Lord, so that we can hear directly from you, Lord. Let me just be your vessel. Lord, speak through me, Lord. Anything that I have prepared that is not of what you want, Lord, wipe it clear from my memory right now. Speak in this place, Lord, and be glorified, Father. We pray the same for every single other brother and sister congregation here in this community. And Lord, all that are meeting right now and will today across this globe, Lord, as your word is being proclaimed, and they are proclaiming the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you being the only way, Father, I pray, God, that you would be glorified and move powerfully in their services. Do the same for us here, Lord. We love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. As I told you, we entitled this sermon today, The Forgiveness of God. The Forgiveness of God. And I want want you to start to think about a a few things, if you will. You don't have to answer this back audibly. 
Um, but start to think, I, I'm pretty positive that every single one of us here in this place today can say that they have either been forgiven of something or have forgiven someone of something. If you are here in this place today and you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been forgiven of your sin. That should be the first thing that comes to our mind. Because we are here in this place, we are singing these songs. Today, you've noticed that every song that was sung was about grace. And God's grace being shown out to us. Powerful stuff. Powerful words that have been penned by men and women as they write song lyrics over the years. But here today we're going to see at looking at the Word of God that is living and active and alive today that have been divinely inspired and written down by men. God is speaking to us through His Word. And although these songs of grace and mercy that we have sung to God today are powerful and their lyrics are just so incredible, the Word of God is just so much more than that. And so today as we're reading through this and we're seeing this prayer and we're coming to this conclusion of this, I want to draw your mind to this subject of forgiveness. I want, to, I want you to start to think in your mind and process the, the things that you have experienced in the forgiveness that God has shown you. And if you're here in this place today and you don't know who Jesus Christ is, I pray that by the time we are done today, you will understand the forgiveness that is offered to you. Because it's such a free, amazing gift. You know, I think so much about when I gave my life to Christ and that moment that I knew that I had been forgiven truly of my sin. And, and I'm a weird guy. I can remember dates. Don't, don't judge me for it. But I can remember clear as day, July 2nd, 1996, sitting in my grandmother's living room on the floor next to her recliner as she shared the gospel with me. And I realized the fact that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And I gave my life, I surrendered to Christ Jesus in that moment. I will never forget that day as long as I live. And I praise God that He has continually reminded me of that memory. That, that moment of understanding forgiveness of my sin. It's powerful. And then I think through my life so far. And the experiences I've encountered and seeing acts of forgiveness given by other people to some people that we would say don't even deserve it. If you remember with me back to 2015 with the Mother Emanuel AME church shooting. I don't know if you guys remember where you were, but it's one of those moments just like I said with my accepting Christ as Lord. I can remember exactly where I was the moment that I heard the news of what had happened. And my heart ached and broke because of what took place that night at the conclusion of that Bible study. And I remember sitting there in my living room a couple of days after, after the suspect had been apprehended and after he had been in jail and they were at the bond hearing. And I remember sitting there almost dumbfounded, watching the television screen as the news reported that the family members of the victims that had just been murdered some 24 hours prior were standing there having the moment to say whatever they wanted to say to the suspect, he's in his jail cell on a video screen and hearing them say that they forgive him for what had he, that he had done to the, their family. I remember sitting there just in awe and saying, I, 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 I'm just done. I can't, I can't understand what they're going through in that moment. And then by God's grace, he reminded me, Brian, I've shown you forgiveness of your sin against me. And I'll never forget that light bulb going off for me again while hearing those people. 
These people who are hurting and in such pain, yet they could read the words of Matthew 6.12 and understand their forgiveness of their debts to God and in turn had to forgive even in the toughest of situations. As followers of Christ, we're called to forgive others just as God has forgiven us of our sin. And we are called to live each day in daily surrender and repentance before God Almighty. Therefore, I just want to look at three different points about this passage. Number one, remember God's forgiveness to us. Remember God's forgiveness to us. 12a, the first half of 12. And forgive us our debts. Now, Pastor Troy and Walter, over the past couple of weeks, they've, they've been examining and breaking down up to this point of this prayer. And it's this daily reminder for us to come before God and pray these things for Him. And Pastor Troy establishing, Our Father, our Holy Father, hallowed be Your name in heaven. And His kingdom come and His will be done on this earth. And then Walter last week um, giving us this daily bread and, and reminding us our dependence on God. And now here we come today and we look at this and we see, forgive us our debts. Our debts are spiritual. We are spiritually in debt to God Almighty because of our sin. You can open the opening pages of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and you can read of how God Almighty would speak everything into existence. He would create the world. He would create the heavens and the earth, and He would do this. And as He does this, He creates man. He's created everything else, and He creates Adam. And then He creates Eve to be a suitable helper for Adam. And as they are living and dwelling in the garden, and everything is made perfect between them and God... The enemy, in the form of a serpent, creeps in. And after God has commanded them, do not eat of that tree or any fruit of it on that tree, the enemy slides in and says, well, surely God didn't mean that stuff. And they gave in to the temptation before them. And from that moment, sin against God had taken place. And sin has run rampant in this life, even till today, and will until this world is over. But God, in His wonderful grace that we've sung about today, in His mercy, had a redemptive plan already in place. And it would come in the form of Jesus Christ. Born of the Virgin, fully God, fully man. He would live that perfect life to where He would ultimately go to a horrific death but be raised to new life on the third day that we're going to celebrate here in a few weeks with Easter. His forgiveness to us. We have to remember in Romans 3.23, Paul says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because of the effects of what happened in Genesis 3, all of us, I don't care who you are, I don't care what good things you do, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Paul, just a few chapters later, he says in Romans 6.23, he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our wage, our debt, is death. Separation from God for all eternity. Unless we have the antidote in the form of Christ Jesus our Lord. This prayer that we read here, this, this model prayer, the disciples' prayer, the Lord's prayer, we see it here and we, we read through these things and it is a reminder for us, as I mentioned earlier, of daily obedience to God. 
and repentance of our sins. But because of our sin, we are disobedient to God. Just a a very clear definition of disobedience. It's a failure or refusal to obey the rules of someone in authority. I love my baby girl Adeline. Y'all know that. She is five and her ears don't work. I love her so much. But you can tell that sweet girl something and you need her to do something and immediately she keeps doing what she was doing instead of doing what you tell her to do. Can I get an amen? Anybody else experience that? Don't, don't say amen to my child. Y'all say that about your own child, all right? But we've experienced that. We, we've seen that with children. We've seen that with that, and it's disobedience. And I'm the one in authority over her. Her mother and I are in authority over her, and God has ordained that to be the case for us, for her. But those moments where she doesn't listen to what we're telling her to do, she is living in disobedience, and therefore has to be punished for her disobedience. But think about that in the context of us as followers of Jesus Christ. We have been called by God throughout the things that are written in His holy, righteous, powerful, living Word to do. We are called by God to do the things that are written in this Word and to glorify Him with our lives and to worship Him by our daily living. And none of us are perfect. The only person to walk on this earth that was ever perfect is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so because of our sin, we are going to mess up. We are going to be disobedient. But that's why when we come before the Lord, it's this daily repentance of our sins. And let me establish something real quick because I don't want to confuse anybody. The moment that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you've believed in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you are saved because Jesus is the only way. The moment you've done that, you are justified. You are saved. And thank God for that. Thank God that we don't have to go and check off a box every single day of things that we do so that we are good and earn favor with God. No, God in His grace says you are saved, period. But even though we are saved in this feeble, broken, sinful body, although I have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me, I still sin. We all still sin. And therefore we have to come before God and say, Lord, I have taken this sin... I've given into this temptation, whatever it may be, and I have lifted it higher than you. I have made an idol of this sin. You fill in the blank. You know yourself personally. You know whatever sin it is that you battle. Whatever it may be, you may have multiple. You take those things and you sit them above, just like I do, and say, these things are most important to me. Oh, wait, God, you're over here. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for this. Forgive me of my debt. Lord, you've paid the ultimate price and I am saved, but Lord, my still sinful self am doing this. Lord, I repent of this to you. Forgive me of this. And thank God, thank God that He is faithful to forgive us. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for that. You see, because our debt against God was paid on that cross. Colossians 2.14, the Apostle Paul says, By canceling our record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You've got to remember, 
When Paul is writing in Colossians 2.14 right there, what I just, just said a moment ago, when he's writing to there, he's writing to Gentiles. He's not writing to Jews. So when he's writing to these Gentiles, he is saying specific things that can make their mind click to what he's saying. And it's the same for us. We would fall into that same category. So when he says by canceling the record of debt... In the Greco-Roman world at that time, the record of debt was a written note of indebtedness. And so when he comes and he says, by canceling that record of debt, you are no longer bound by that debt. Hallelujah. You have been saved because Jesus Christ has nailed it with himself to the cross. When his blood was poured out for us, we've been forgiven. Jesus paid that ultimate price, so we have to remember We have to remember the forgiveness of God for us. And as we live our lives daily and we pray these things to God and we honor Him with His holy name and we remember and say, Lord, Your kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we remember the dependency we have on God to give us this day our daily bread. Oh, and Lord, forgive us our debts. Or forgive me of my sin. Or thank You for saving me. And the second thing is, forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgive those who have sinned against us. Look at the second part of verse 12. As we have also forgiven our debtors. Well, Brian, this is the uncomfortable part. I, I, can, I can totally mess with you talking about God forgiving me of my sin. This is the part where I've got to forgive other people. This is the hard part. This is the hard part. See, as followers of Christ, we've been bought with that price. Do you recall the words of Jesus after he had already gone through everything that he did? After he had been nailed to the cross and was hanging on the cross, do you remember one of the things he said from the cross? When he was hanging up there, he said in Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And yet at the moment he's saying that, they're sitting there and they're casting lots for his garments. Even then, still sinning against him. People would mock Christ as he's up on the cross. Oh, you know, if you, I'm paraphrasing here, but if you are truly who you say you are, why don't you make yourself come down? Why don't you send down a legion of angels to help you? So much had already happened at this point. Jesus, you have to remember, sinless, did not sin once. Yet he was tried and people yelled, crucify him. He was tried at night. It wasn't even the way you were supposed to do it. Yet these religious leaders of the day, they did everything in their power to get stuff done so that they could be rid of Jesus. Jesus was spat on. He was mocked. He had a crown of thorns crushed on his head. And then he was flogged beaten with a cat of nine tails. Beaten so brutally. Nails driven through his hands and his feet. And yet he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You might, sit there, you might say, well, Brian, I wasn't there some 2,000 years ago when that happened, so Jesus might have just been referring just to those people. No, no, no. See, because Jesus is fully God and fully man, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was fulfilling the redemptive plan of God. 
by going to that cross and taking on what he did. And he had every sin, past, present, and future poured out on him. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sin. It was for all. The beautiful thing too is when we come and we know Christ Jesus as our Lord and we've accepted what He's done for us and we know that we've been forgiven, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. The Holy Spirit convicts. It convicts us of our sin. It tells us when we've done wrong. And if we're praying to God and we're seeking His face, the Lord will direct us of what to do. So when we have these moments where we have an issue between us and a brother or a sister, and we need to go and do as the second half says, forgive our debtors, the Holy Spirit should compel us to do that. Should compel us to do that. Because we have this incredible Lord that has done so much for us to even give us the opportunity to profess Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior and have that Holy Spirit inside of us. This holy, righteous Christ, He's done so much for us. And He even intercedes on our behalf to the Father. Romans 8.34 Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Even though we still sin in this life, when God looks upon us, Jesus, who intercedes on our behalf, God sees perfect righteousness. Because of what Jesus has done. So if we've been shown that kind of forgiveness, shouldn't it compel us to want to give that same forgiveness to others? Well, Brian, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the pain that I've felt by that person. No, I don't. I don't know the situation you're in. I don't know the situation that you've experienced. I've experienced them in my own life. But I can tell you this, no matter what it is, and please understand that I am being sympathetic to whatever you've gone through. Please understand that. But in the grand scheme of things, when we stop and we look at whatever has happened to us in this life, compared to what Christ Jesus has done for us, we should be so compelled to forgive. And I know that's hard, and I know the processes, and you've got to take time with that. I get that. But we have to get to the point to where we do so. The cross of Calvary has done it for us. When Jesus went there and he took our place, he showed that grace and that mercy that we do not deserve to give us that forgiveness. Skip with me from verse 13. Like I said, Michael will handle that for us next week. And let's look at, at verse 14 and 15, which leads us to point three. Understand that forgiveness is necessary. Understand forgiveness is necessary. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See, Jesus in verse 14 is following up from verse 12. He's following up on the things that he has said to them. There's a direct correlation between forgiving others and understanding the forgiveness that has been shown to us through Christ. 
You see, when it says forgive your trespasses, it refers to a restoration of personal relationship. Not only with God, but with the other person. God has shown us this amazing love and grace. It should compel us to want to follow up with another person and share the love, the grace, the mercy that God has shown to us. And thank God that He has. You might sit there and say, well, what if I'm the one that has possibly wronged somebody and I need to go to them to be forgiven? Well, the Lord has provided for us an example of that. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. We can think of that in the context of the church. If we have brothers and sisters that we know that we've wronged in some way, shape, or form, it's hard to swallow that and to go and, and do so. But God has given us a perfect example when Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and then it comes to your mind and the Spirit has, has brought it to your attention, then leave your gift there and go and be reconciled to your brother or your sister. Go and do that. Go and make things right. Be reconciled to them as Christ Jesus has been made the way for you to be reconciled to God. And what if you're the one that's been wronged? Just another example, you can go to the one that has wronged you and seek restoration. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Going back to the way of the Old Testament. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you a Gentile and a tax collector. There are times where, prayerfully, we, you never have to get to the remaining parts of that. But the example, the reason I wanted to show this to you is to give you two sides of the coin. If someone has hurt you, you need to forgive. If someone has hurt you, go to the person and make it right. See if there can be reconciliation done there. But if you have hurt someone, leave your gift at the altar, leave your gift of worship at that moment, and go and be reconciled to that person. As I said a few moments ago, I know that is hard to process. I know that is hard to understand because every situation is very specific and different. I get it. But when I stop and I see who I am, the sin that I have, that God has powerfully, graciously, mercifully shown me His love and grace, to wipe that clean and look upon me with His forgiveness as perfect righteousness on me because Jesus intercedes on my behalf, as hard as it may be, I need to forgive. We all need to forgive. This is critical in our lives, folks. So as we, as we read through the prayer, 
And we're reminded of this daily as we come into our time of worship to God and our own time of looking at His Word and studying it and seeing this beautiful example of, of how we are to pray to God. We can't skip it where it says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Thank God that He shows us His grace and His mercy every single day. Thank God that He sent Jesus to the cross on our behalf. Ben, you can start to come forward. You've heard me say this over the last six months several different times when I've had the opportunity to speak. But one of the most powerful verses in Scripture that I read and just speaks to me so powerfully is 2 Corinthians 5.21 where it says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. When Jesus went to that cross and He had gone through everything that He suffered and took upon Himself, when He was hanging there on that tree, it was for our sake that God made Him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus who never sinned once. God made Him to be sin, taking on our sin. The wrath that we deserve, God poured on Jesus so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. In just a moment, we're going to sing this last song. We're going to sing a song called Come As You Are. And I'm going to ask in, in a moment for uh, Pastor Troy to come down and Michael to be here, and, and Miss Rachel too, if you don't mind. They're going to be standing up here in case you want to come forward and talk to them. If you don't feel comfortable doing so, pull one of us aside afterwards and talk. I know that forgiveness is a tough subject to, to deal with and to look at. But thank God that He's shown us our forgiveness for those of us in Christ Jesus. I pray that if you do not know who this Jesus is, that you would please come and speak with us today so that you may know life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for today, Lord. Thank You so much for this opportunity to come and to worship You, Lord. Thank You, Lord, that we have our great High Priest, Jesus, who intercedes on our behalf. Thank You, Lord, that You have shown us the forgiveness that we do not deserve. Thank You, Lord, that You've done that for us. Father, now as we move into this time of invitation, Lord, I pray, Lord, that You would just speak to our hearts today, Lord. If there is something that is going on in any of us, Lord, and that we need counsel, we need direction, we need prayer, Lord, that they would feel comfortable to come forward or to pull someone aside afterwards. Lord, I pray right now in this moment, Lord, that You would be glorified in this place. In Christ's name, amen.